Today we're going to be talking about shaping the next generation with words of wisdom. Shaping the next generation with words of wisdom. We've been talking about in this sermon series, Sticks and Stones, we've been talking about the power of our words. And if you've got your bulletins there, I've got a couple of fill-ins. And we've done this every single week, but I just kind of want us to really get grounded in these, in these scriptures, which are really the heart of this sermon series. So if you've got your bulletin there, let's let, maybe you can help me. Uh, The tongue can bring what? Life. Okay, some of you have been here before. The tongue can bring life or it can bring what? Death. That's right. Those are your first two feelings. The tongue can bring life. The tongue can bring death. And for those of us who have lived any length of time, you know the power that a timely word can have, a word of encouragement, a word of hope, a word of wisdom. And it can just bring life to your heart. It can kind of give you what you need to get to that next step in your journey. But we all have had the experience of critical words, of hurtful words, of lying words, of demeaning words, really wounding our spirit. So our tongue has the power to bring life or death. Our second verse there comes from the Gospel of Luke, and uh, it says, what you, who knows, what you say, that's right, what you say flows from what is in your heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. And one of the things that we've been saying over the last several weeks is, I don't have a mouth problem, I have what? I have a heart problem. Yeah, and somebody sent me a, a, a meme this week, and I, and I forgot I meant to bring it, but it was a, a picture of Scarlett O'Hara, and I believe it said something to the effect of, it's like, I can control my mouth, it's just my face I'm having trouble with. <laughs> but I thought that was great. But I don't have to control my mouth. I don't have to work so hard at controlling the words that come out of my mouth if I'll do a better job of controlling my heart. And so that's kind of the big, kind of setting it up. I know we're doing some review here, but I think it's so important. Today we're talking about passing on our words of wisdom to the next generation. And what a perfect time to do this. This is a season of graduation, uh, baccalaureate uh, services. We've got graduation services. And those who are preparing, they're thinking about what are those nuggets of wisdom that I can pass on to this graduating class. And so to kind of to get us started, though, here's what I want you to do is to take out something to write with and take out your bulletin there. And while I am speaking to Today, here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want you to think about someone who has had a positive influence in your life. And I want you to write their names down. Someone who maybe was there for you at a, at a juncture in your life, where maybe you could go one way or you could go the other. And they kind of spoke a word to you that kind of helped you make the decision to make the right choice. Maybe it was a coach, maybe it was a teacher, maybe it was a parent, but someone who who spoke words of life and wisdom over you. It might be someone that their words and their influence are the reason that you are here today, that because of their words, their encouragement, meeting you, uh, you are actually in church today. So as I'm speaking, I hope that you'll just be writing these names down. The person that comes to mind for me, he was my high school Sunday school teacher. His name was Mark Grimes. Uh, Mark, uh, Mr. Grimes passed away a few years ago, but Mr. Grimes was always there for us. I grew up in Grenada, Mississippi. It wasn't, it's a small town in Mississippi. We didn't have a, a huge church necessarily, but there was a handful of us that every Sunday, we knew that Mr. Grimes was gonna be there. As I think about the lessons that Mr. Grimes taught me, in all honesty, I can't 
can't remember one Bible story he ever told me. I can't remember one big idea, big point. He didn't go with us on retreats and things like this. But I always had that experience, and maybe you have too. I always felt like he cared about me. I always felt like he was genuinely interested in my life and who I was. And I didn't feel that he was critical of me, maybe some ways that other adults in my world, you know, maybe sometimes teachers or others that, you know, you might get that feeling when you're a teenager. But I remember one Sunday, and it was my senior year of high school, and I was kind of running with some folks, and we weren't making the best decisions. And uh, I came into Sunday school that morning, and I must have been struggling with guilt. Uh, And I really don't remember what I said, but I must have in some way said something about feeling guilty. And I I remember what Mr. Grimes said to me, and and it was kind of an aside, and he looked at me with just the kindest eyes, and he said, Fran, he said, as long as you still feel guilty and you still feel bad when you do something that you know that you shouldn't, he said, I am not worried about you at all. He said, if you ever get to the point where you can do things things that you shouldn't be doing, things that you know know are wrong, and it doesn't bother you, he said, that's the day I'm going to worry about you. Those words, can y'all see the wisdom and the love and the grace? You know, at 17 years old, I didn't know what provenient grace was. I had not been to seminary. I hadn't studied Wesley's theology. But that is what he spoke over my heart, is that you are okay. God is after you. You are not so far gone that you can't find your way back home to your heavenly father. I believe in you. You are not a bad person. God loves you. All of those Feelings and those emotions were kind of wrapped up in that moment with him. Wesley tells us that provenient grace is the grace. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, he talks about provenient grace is the grace of God that keeps pursuing us, pursuing us before we have ever said yes to Jesus. And that's what Mr. Grimes was doing for me, was he was teaching me about that grace. So as you think about this, think about your own life and think about the people who have influenced you you? And what was it that they said or that they did that gave you that hope and that courage in your heart? We're looking today at several passages from the book of Proverbs, and I invite you to to open up your Bible or your bulletins there. And I I listed several because I think they have, it's almost like this refrain. Now, to talk about the book of Proverbs, um, this is the Proverbs begin, and it begins, and it talks about how Solomon, who is David's son, that these are his sayings that he has collected. Uh, He's collecting them for his children is what it it appears. But let's read through these. Proverbs 4.4, Solomon writes, and he says, let your heart hold fast my words. Let your heart hold fast my words. Proverbs 4.10, he says, hear my child and accept my words. Hear my child and accept my words. Proverbs 4.20, he says, my child, be attentive to my words. Proverbs 7.1, he says, my child, keep my words. Do you see his heart right here? He's saying, please hold fast to what I'm trying to tell you. Accept what I'm trying to tell you. Pay attention to what I'm trying to tell you. Keep my words. Because Solomon has learned some things 
through the highs and lows of his life. He has learned uh, some things about the way that the world works, and he is wanting to give his son, give his child that wisdom to, to live according to God's principles and God's path. So for those of you who are parents, you probably know this, coaches, teachers, those who kind of youth pastors, those who are pouring into the next generation, you know that feeling. And in Proverbs, there's this one passage, though, that I think depicts my heart and my life, is that, I mean, because as a mom, I mean, you want to pass on your wisdom to the next generation. You don't want your kids to make the same mistakes you did. You want to kind of give them a leg up. But in Proverbs, wisdom is personified as a woman. And this is, I, I mean, I say it's my favorite, but it's just so vivid and so true to me, is that it says that wisdom is standing there, and it's like she's in the city market, and she's at the crossroads where the roads meet. So if you could just like pretend this is Macon, Georgia, you know, 2019, it's like she is in downtown Macon. She is on the street corner, and she's saying, listen, pay attention, listen to me, listen to me, and the cars just keep going by and by and by and by. Have you ever thought about, have you ever felt that way, like you wanted to pass on your wisdom to someone else, but they just weren't listening? Anybody? Mamas, daddies, anybody here? Okay, y'all got, all right, right crowd. So I think that's the tension that, that, that Proverbs sets up for us is that there is this heart's desire to, to help the next generation, but there's this tension because they don't always want to listen to what we have to say. So the question for you and the question for me is, what can we do, what can we do as those who would like to help those who are coming behind us, what can we do to increase the likelihood Likelihood that they are going to listen to our words. What is going to increase that likelihood that when we're going, hey, listen, 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 I, I really know what I'm talking about, that they're not like the passing cars and just zooming by and zooming by and zooming by and not paying any attention to us. And, and also, let me just say, when I think about the next generation, we think about parents pouring into children and, and teenagers and things like that. But I want to expand the definition just a little bit because when I think about pouring into to those who are coming behind me. It's not always kids that we're talking about. I mean, I think about when, when someone has just become, when a, a couple has just become new parents and they've got a first child. I mean, it's new and it's scary and it's very different. And it's so helpful if there's a mom or a dad who's a little bit further along the road who can say, hey, here was my experience and kind of can help you out. I think anytime we're doing something new for the first time, it might be the first time you've moved. It might be the first time you're starting your real adult job. It might be that you've gotten a cancer diagnosis and this is, or maybe a spouse has and you're a, and you are a caregiver now, but it's something that you've never experienced. It might be that now your elderly parents are needing care. And it's so anytime that we are experiencing something for the first time, a new season, it is so helpful if someone who has been down that road before can give us a leg up with their wisdom from that experience. So as you think about this, I think that there are a few things that we can do. If you have that heart and you want to be a Mark Grimes to somebody, you want to be someone that is kind of helping the next generation, I think there are four things that we can do to increase the likelihood that, that someone is going to pay attention to us. And these are the fill-ins there that you've got. So the first one is, if we want to shape the next generation with our words of wisdom, I think it's this. The first one is, show up show up. Just be there. Your best chance to have influence in someone's life 
is to actually show up. You have to be physically present in someone's life before you can make a difference in their life. Think about the people who have showed up for you. Maybe if you did have a, a new baby, maybe it was, it was that person who brought a casserole over and said, yeah, I remember when. You know, maybe it was uh, when you were engaged and you were about to get married. It's maybe a couple that took you out to eat dinner and said, hey, let, you know, we'll tell you a little bit about our story. It's someone who is present with you. I think about Mark Grimes. You know, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, I'm sure there's a lot of other things he could have been doing but he showed up. After he passed away, um, he, I was not able to go to the funeral, but I, I pulled up his obituary um, online, and I was surprised to learn about all the things that he had done in his life, how he had served in the armed forces, how he had been a successful businessman, how he had received um, awards from the Chamber of Commerce, and he just had all of these accolades. And I thought, wow, I didn't know he was that important. I didn't realize. I just knew that he made made me feel like I was somebody because he showed up. So that's the first thing is I think we just show up and we are present in people's worlds. The second thing is care enough to get to know about their world. Care enough to get to know their world. Um, several years ago, Mark and I were involved in a, in a ministry to high school students, and it was called Teen Advisors. And uh, it was kind of like Young Life, but it was a ministry that worked, a Christian ministry that worked with, with high school students. And uh, one year at a, at a bank, banquet, it was a fundraiser banquet, and we had had a guest speaker come in, and he said something that I've never forgotten. He said, when you think about what it's like to be a teenager, he said, you know, for those of us who are adults, we can remember what it was like like when we were teenagers. And so we try to put ourselves into the shoes of those who are teenagers now. And he said, that's helpful. And he said, but the world that they're living in today is so different from the world that you grew up in. You've got to get to know about what their world is like today, not what it was like to be a teenager when you were, you know, for me, it was in the 1970s. And he said, you know, culture is changing and it's changing rapidly. And he said, and so so often we as the church, we can sit around and we can, we can wring our hands and we can say, oh, you know, we used to have Wednesday night supper and now nobody comes to Wednesday night supper. You know, people used to come to church every Sunday and now they don't. And he said, that's not going to do any good. He said, our best bet to influence the next generation, he said, it's like instead of fighting against the winds of culture, he said, let's build sails so that we can lean into culture and be present with kids where they are and with with what they're going through and let them know that we love them and that we care about them and we want to be a part of their world and we're going to lean into what they are experiencing now, not asking them to come and be a part of a 1950s model of what the church should look like. We're going to reinvent ourselves so we can be present with this generation and be able to speak their language and speak their voice and do our very best to connect with them. So that's, I think that's so important. So one is show up. Two is care enough to get to know their world. The third one is this, share your life experiences. And you kind of have to earn the right to do that, share your life experiences. But I think if you've been showing up, if you've been asking the questions, if you've been getting to know their world, I think there are those moments in time where 
a, a, you know, someone will ask you the question and they'll say, tell me about your experience. Tell me what it was like. I recently had um, a situation that I just, it, it blessed my heart. I mean, I just was like, God, you were such a good God. But for Mother's Day weekend, uh, Mark's mother came to visit us and his brother. So they, they were eating. And then my uh, youngest daughter, Katie, was there. And then our other daughter, Elizabeth, was there. And so, oh, I always forget this is going on the internet. All right. Well, anyway, <laughs> anyway, one of my kids is, is possibly going to be getting married, you know, sometime, maybe sometime soon. But anyway, we were sitting around the dinner table talking and she said, mom, she said, tell me about, you know, you and dad and kind of what are some of the things that y'all talk to couples about when you're doing premarital counseling? Well, that was just, you know, open the door and dad and Mark and I, we were all in and we were like, well, actually, let me tell you there. Are, anyway, so we just for, you know, we started talking about our experiences. We started talking about marriage. And then uh, my mother-in-law, who was married to my father-in-law, he's passed away for over 50 years. I said, Marilyn, I said, tell us a little bit about, you know, you and Charles. What, what advice do you have for Katie? And so Marilyn began to share her stories and share her experiences. And, and Katie's taken this all in. And then I looked at Elizabeth, who's been married almost two years. And I said, Elizabeth, what's it, what's it like for you and Nathan? You know, what, what has these two years been like for y'all? So Elizabeth started talking about the things that she's learned. And so after after dinner and we, you know, cleaned up the kitchen and everything, I was talking to Katie and, I, and, and she said, you know, she said, that was so helpful. She said, just hearing y'all's stories, you know, kind of from the different generations and the different seasons of marriage. And she said, you know, when people share their stories, she said, it just gives you a leg up. It just gives you a leg up. And I thought, oh, that is, you know, I think that's what we're talking about here is showing up, being invested in their world, getting to know them, and then when those moments arise, be willing to talk about your experiences. There's a saying that says that when the student is ready, the teacher appears. When the student is ready, the teacher appears. Sometimes if you try to share your wisdom too early and it's not the right time, it's a blunt, you know, they're just kind of the walls are up, the lights are out, no one's home. But when you're tracking with somebody, that's when I think those golden moments just seem to appear when you're, and also when you're praying for people. So take time, share your life experiences. And the last one there that I've got here is to be unshockable, to be unshockable. And what do I mean by that? People need to know that you're a safe place. Um, I remember one time when I was a young mom and I was just about ready to pull my hair out and, you know, there's, you know, all the smells and the diapers and the, you know, the two-year-olds and all of that. And I remember talking to another mother who was a little bit older than me, and I was very frustrated and I was very tired. And, uh, and you know, how do I get the kids to behave and all that kind of stuff? And she looked at me and she said, well, you know, I just never had that problem with any of my children. I just, I just told them what to do and they just did it. And, um, and so if you just get that first one in line, the other ones will follow. And we didn't have any trouble when our kids were teenagers. I mean, they were just good kids. We, so I, I don't know. And I just, and I knew her kids. And that was not the truth. <laughs> I was like, oh no, I know your, I know your kid. No, they were not perfect in high school. You just went to bed. You didn't know what was going on. But anyway, but but when that was said to me, it's like, oh yeah, my kids were perfect. We didn't have any problems. Did do y'all think I ever wanted to go back to that person one more time and say, hey, you know, have you got any advice? No, I just kind of clammed up and played perfect too. It's like, no, my kids are great, they're perfect, we're all good. So we want to be that person that someone 
that you're safe, that they can be truthful, and they can be honest, and they can be vulnerable, and they can be real. And I think about Mr. Grimes. You know, he didn't say, well, what did you do, Fran? Well, what did you do? Don't you know that's bad? No, he just sat there and loved me, and he just let me word vomit and talk. You know, pretty soon I was just kind of, you know, telling it all, I'm sure. But he said, you're going to be okay. This, and, and he didn't say this, but this is what he communicated to me. I'm not shocked. This is normal, and you're okay. So I think that's a part of it is is be there show up be ready to to get to know their world share your experiences and be someone that's unshockable not someone that's critical and judgmental but somebody that's going to love them no matter what and I think that helps us to be to increase the likelihood that the next generation is going to be able to hear the wisdom that we want to pass on to them in the Psalms there, Psalm 78, and you don't have this in your bulletin, but it's a Psalm of Asa. And I love this because I feel it kind of captures what I'm trying to say today. And he writes and he says, we will tell the next generation, we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, the wonders he has done. He decreed statues for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors. And this is what he commanded, talking about God. He commanded them to teach their children. He commanded them to teach their children so that, so that, here's the reason, the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they, in turn, would tell their children. In this psalm, we see four generations. He's talking about there are the grandparents who have passed their wisdom on to the parents. The parents have passed their wisdom on to their children. And the children will continue this to pass the generation, pass the wisdom on to the generation that hasn't even yet been born. And the so that, the so that is that the next generation would know the Lord and know his love and know his mercy. And so what we want to do in this summer series, Sticks and Stones, thinking about the words that bring life, the words that bring help, that hope and healing, we want to be those who are passing on God's wisdom, our experiences, our knowledge to the next generation. And we want to be a people that invest in the next generation so we're not just standing on the street corner going, that's bad, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. We want to be connected and in relationship with people so they want to hear what we have to say, that our lives are congruent with the message that we communicate. <coughs> Excuse me. A quote from Reggie Joyner. Uh, he is uh, he is the founder of Orange, which is a, a ministry that is designed to help shape and pour into those who are shaping the next generation. And in his book, When Relationships Matter, he writes, regardless of the style or size of your church, your greatest asset to building faith in the next generation isn't your Bible study, it isn't your worship band, it isn't your facilities, and it isn't your budget. He said the most valuable resources you have to help people see God are the people in your church who know God. You don't shape a kid's faith by teaching them doctrine. Whatever you talk them into, someone else can talk them out of it. You don't shape a kid's faith by persuading them to have better standards. They may ultimately give up if they feel they can't measure up. You don't shape a kid's faith by getting them to attend your events. At some point, they'll compare the quality of your production to what culture produces, and you'll probably lose. But 
you can shape a kid's faith by connecting them to caring adults who will be present in their lives. What a responsibility, what an honor, and what a challenge for us to be the grandparents and the parents who are shaping the next generation. And even those of you who are in high school, I mean, you have that opportunity to shape those who are in middle school and those who are in elementary school. It's like there's always someone who is two or three steps behind what you've just experienced. And that's what we get to do is to be those voices of wisdom so that so that the next generation will know the Lord and follow him and know God's love and grace and forgiveness. So uh, what I've got for you right now is I'm going to give you some next steps, but before I do that, I want you to watch a little short one-minute video that uh, Matt put together for us. When you look at this group of kids, what do you see? Who do you see? Do you see future community leaders? teachers, farmers, nurses, perhaps even a future governor or president? Do you see the future of the church? Worship leaders, preachers, missionaries, we see the next generation. We see an opportunity to show them that every person matters, to encourage them in their young faith, to tell them that God loves them. Will you help shape the next generation? Amen. Love those pictures. So. And I want to invite you now to take out this insert. And, and what I hope is that while you were listening today, that the Lord put someone on your heart. And it doesn't have to necessarily be somebody who's, you know, one of the kids in the church or doing children's ministry. But I believe that you have wisdom. I believe that, that you have wisdom at work, um, whether you are, you know, the CEO, the executive director, if there are people that report to you, I believe that, that you have wisdom to help those who are coming along behind you. If you're a coach, if you're a teacher, if you're a high school student, if you're a mom, I believe God wants to use your words of wisdom to bring life and hope to the next generation. But if today, if uh, God put it on your heart to say, you know what, I want to be involved in pouring into the kids at Martha Bowman. I want to give you an opportunity. We have listed here a lot of different volunteer opportunities. And I, and I loved what Reggie Joyner said. Our best chance of shaping a kid's life is not our fancy programs. I mean, we're going to do fun things. I mean, we've got a whole summer packed full of fun. But what they need to do is to know a Mark Grimes. They need to know somebody who's going to love them and care for them. They need adults who are willing to shape the next generation. And if you feel God tugging your heart today and you want to know more, I want to invite you just to fill out the bottom part and put that in the offering plate. God has a call. God has a purpose. And I believe he wants to use you. And his question is, will you say yes?